0: Alright, let me set the stage for a second. I want you to go ahead and picture. Um, like, I don't know if you need to close your eyes for a second or what you need to do, but imagine you're either at work or at school or at home and your teacher or your boss or your parent leaves. Okay? Like, let's say you're at work, your boss leaves. You're at school, the teacher steps out of the room for whatever reason. Let's say you're at home, your parents leave. They're like, hey, don't do anything dumb. Don't break anything, right? Like, just set the stage. Question, have you ever seen something where in that situation where the teacher leaves the room, boss leaves the building, or, you know, parent leaves and something bad happens? Has anyone seen something like that? Okay. Haley, you seem really, what, what you got? And like, Ten seconds or less. Is this at home? Five. You broke five items and you lost the dog. Okay. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, glass cup, cup on nice. Nice. Uh, Matthew, what we got? Uh, week, Some. Okay. At work. Boss leaves. Is it intentional? Like you're trying to set something on fire? Like, hey, like, let's try it. It Okay. Incredible. At least, I mean, once a week. So I was thinking about this, and I actually have a horrible amount of stories that have to do with this in all different scenarios. Um, But one that I was thinking of specifically, it was uh, probably about 10, 12 years ago. Um, You got to think dream with me for a second. So uh, parents recently divorced, right? I'm in, I think, probably a freshman in high school or something. So all of the testosterone is just fueling, right? I'm ready to fight everybody. I'm in, in, in Colorado on a family vacation in a hotel room, and I have an older brother and a younger brother. Older brother, three years older, younger brother, six years younger. Okay? Imagine freshman in high school, thinks they're the greatest gift to all of humanity, thinks I'm the strongest person in the world too, and a little brother who's six years younger. If you have a little brother or you have a younger sibling, you know, you can you feel like you can kind of like pick on them already, right? I'm not saying you should, but, you, you know, a lot of times you already kind of do. So, but I'm in this stage in life right now um, where we started playing uncle, okay? if you It's not really a game, but it's just where you just fight until someone says uncle, and then that means that they're giving up, right? So, we're in Colorado, hotel room. My mom actually left to go uh, take a shower. And uh, I mean, so she's just in the other room and, and everything like that. And my little brother and I, we start wrestling, okay? We're grappling and we get to the floor. Once you get to the floor, that's where you can start putting people in pin moves. So then hopefully you can get them to submit, say, uncle, you win. It's not even fair. But here, it, how many how many people know what like a cross arm bar is? Cross arm bar? Okay, we've got a couple people. How many people just have no idea what cross arm bar is? Awesome. So imagine, this is my little brother. I would not fight him now because he's about my height and like 100 pounds more. So, big boy. So, but here, we're in, we, we fight, we end up getting like on the floor. Let's see how we do this. And there's this, this thing where you kind of, you guys can see it. So like, my little brother is like this, looking like he's like Jesus on the cross, right? Arms out like this. And what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to take their arm like this And then you prop your legs over their their body. So if these are his legs, little tiny little legs, I will hold onto his arm like this. And what happens is when you pull, imagine, I mean, like, don't try this at home, but um, I guess here we are. But here's what happens. When you pull like this, then what happens is their like whole shoulder and everything is just pulling out. It hurts so much. People do it in MMA and everything. And so, but what I'm doing is I had his arm, I mean, he's he's on the ground. I had his arm like this, and I even had a free hand. So I'm already hurting him, and I had a free hand. What do I do? Lift up the shirt, just going, <laughs> say uncle, say uncle, say, say uncle. Okay. Now, if you were my little brother, again, horrible story, don't do it. I really don't recommend it. Um, but here's what happened. My little brother is the most resilient, like, man I've ever met because <laughs> 100% probably scarred him. Um, again, not a good story to tell, but we're going here anyway. What happened is instead of him saying uncle so it would stop, he just started just wailing in pain. Right? His his It was literally, I probably, trauma, like, we, we've talked about it. I'm having coffee with him tomorrow morning so we can actually, like, address this. But, like, because it literally, instead of him saying uncle to stop, he's just screaming and crying. Because it was like his body could not process. Hey, stop! So again, my mom's showering, and I'm just getting the stomach too, and like it's a dub, It's it's not great, but we're doing it. He never said uncle. My mom comes out of the bathroom, and she's livid. She's yelling. She's like, "What are you doing? Why?" And like it's like and man. Okay, so I got in trouble. Right? Got in trouble. 30 minutes later, we're getting ready. We're going to go on a hike or something. We hear a knock on the door. Mom goes and answer it. At the door is a local police officer, a person for child protective services, and the hotel manager at the front door. And my mom goes, because, again, I didn't even think about it. This is, I thought we were just wrestling. like, there's nothing different that would have happened at home as what we did in this hotel room, except windows are open, neighbors right next to us with only one wall apart. And so we spent the next 30 minutes, my mom getting interrogated by Child Protective Services on whether or not she was a good parent to let, because they thought that we were, like, we were getting beat up by my mom when she was just in the other room showering. Long story short, that was it. I got, I, like, to this day, like, it still, like, makes my mom mad. And that was, like, probably 12 years ago. Uh, but got in a whole bunch of trouble. All That would not have happened if my mom was in the room. You know, you probably wouldn't set as much things on fire if your boss was in the room. Um, The dog might not have left and things might not have gotten, as many things might not have gotten broken if your parent, your boss, whoever the authority is, was in the room. Like when the authority is gone, we usually do what we're not supposed to do or we, we don't do what we're supposed to do, right? If the teacher leaves the room and says, hey, read this page, no one's reading that thing. No one's reading that thing. That's, you know, it's the same thing. Hey, do your chores. Okay, when you hear the garage doors start going up because they're home, then that's when you start scrambling and panicking and just be like, okay, what, how can I start picking up and doing what I was supposed to do? Friends, like, I start here tonight because I genuinely believe that we, like a lot of us in here, we either view Jesus in the same way that we view a parent. He's not here. He's gone. Sure, he might come back eventually. But for right now, I'm not going to do what I was told what I was supposed to do. Like, hey, like, sure, I'll, once, once I hear the garage door come up, then I'll let the chicken out of the freezer so it can start thawing because my mom asked, you know, called and said, hey, can you do that? Like, whatever it is, like, we treat Jesus a lot like he's just some boss or authority or a teacher that stepped out of the room. Like, Jesus, is just running errands, right? So, because 2,000 years ago, you know, we've been in this series called Mark where like, we're literally reading about the story in the life of Jesus. And so Jesus, 2,000 years ago, came down to the earth, and uh, he lived a life we could never live. He died on the cross to pay for our rebellion against God. And then he uh, was buried, and he rose again from the dead. And then now, if we have faith and we surrender our life to Jesus, like, our sins are paid for. Our rebellion against God is paid for. And for a lot of us, when we say, hey, this is the gospel, we kind of just— end it there. We think, okay, hey, yeah, forgiveness of sins, God good, sin bad, that's it. But, when, here's the the crazy thing about the good news of Jesus, like, that's literally what the gospel means, is that it doesn't just stop with forgiveness of sins if we, you know, ask God to forgive us. Literally, the end of the gospel, like, the, the cap of the last chapter of the good news is that Jesus not only went back to heaven, that's where he's at now, but Jesus is coming back. Jesus is literally coming back. And when you hear this, you can have a bunch of different reactions, okay? Like, you can think, oh, this is great news. Like, we can sing the song. It was literally, we didn't even plan it this way. I found out we were singing that song as we were singing it. But, like, we can either be really excited about Jesus coming back. We can then start panicking and start, like, doing all the things we're supposed to if we knew that we had, like, an hour head, head start. We can start doing all the right things. Or we can literally just not care, or we can hate the idea of Jesus coming back. But regardless of how you receive it, here is the truth. Here's the truth. And this is actually uh, the the key key thing. And this is the big idea for where we're going tonight. The whole point of tonight is this. Regardless of how you respond, this is the big idea. To live like Jesus is coming back. Live like Jesus is coming back. And so we're going to actually see this in the book of Mark. Okay. Mark chapter 13 is where we're going to be. Again, The book of Mark is literally how like the king and God, the creator uh, of literally everything, came to the earth. And instead of like going there expecting to be welcomed and and served, everything like that, he took on the form of a servant and he served instead of being served. And Mark, uh, I think it's like chapter 10, it says that Jesus came to serve, not to be served, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Like he came to die so that we could be forgiven of our rebellion against God. And so chapter 13 is, we're actually going to read the end of it, but chapter 13 is one of the most unique chapters in the whole book, okay? We're not going to read the whole chapter. We're just going to read the end of it Um, because chapter 13, fun fact, is all about the end of the world, okay? If you're into that kind of stuff, you want to talk about it or anything, read the chapter. It's pretty spicy. We're not going to talk about and debate, like, all the different kind of ideas and possible things because that's, you know, fun. Like, we're not going to do that. Instead, here is what we're going to do. Knowing that chapter thirteen is about the end of the world and, and Jesus coming back and everything like that, verse seven—sorry, uh, verse twenty-eight—is Jesus saying, "Hey, in the midst of all, like stars falling out of the sky and war and famine, like instead of all these things, He's saying, in the midst of all of that, Jesus is coming back." And then in verse thirty-two, it says that no one knows when He's coming back. He said, "We can ha- we can see some stuff like when possibly He's coming back, but." no one really knows the day or the hour of when jesus is coming back so verse 33 is where we're going to start this is what it says and since you don't know when that time will come be on guard stay alert the coming of the son of man that's jesus can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip when he left home he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do and he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return you too must keep watch for you don't know when the master of the household will return, in the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. So, like I said, like when, when you hear this, hey, Jesus is coming back, we can all respond in a bunch of different ways. You could literally not care, or you could be terrified of it, or you could be really happy about it. But regardless of how you hear that, here is uh, the truth, that everyone in here, regardless of, of how you'll receive it, is going to fall in one of two camps. Either you are a Christian or you're not. Okay? Either you are a Christian or you are not. And so we're going to break down the message in two points. There's only two points, try as simple as possible, of what does it look like? If you are a Christian, how do you live like Jesus is coming back? And if you are not a Christian, how should you also live? like Jesus is coming back, okay? So point number one, if you guys are note takers, uh, is this, how Christians wait. If you are a Christian, you, you are a committed follower of Jesus, how do you live like Jesus is coming back? And so there's gonna be three little subpoints. They all start with the letter E, cool? So someone asks you, hey, what'd you learn or, or what are you supposed to do with the takeaways? Just think of a word that starts with E. Um, and literally, a lot of them are good ones. You, if, if we didn't, so like the three words um, are, encourage evaluate and evangelize if you want to think of another word and you just forget one and you think of it like it's probably going to work a lot of e-words go along with christianity i don't know how it works you can do empower engage equip educate um uh, you can do excavate i don't know how you can make that fit literally think of the e-words e-words are the points so here's the first thing what we're going to do is encourage others how do you live like jesus coming back the first thing you do is you can encourage others because guys let's be let's be really really real And let's talk about this. Life is really, really hard. Life is hard. Okay? Like, uh, gosh, literally for for everything. Here's some of the things I have written down. Uh, School is hard, unless it's not for you. But early mornings are hard. Relationships are hard. Whether relationships with a sibling or a parent or a friend. Gossip sucks, and so that makes relationships hard. Um, Managing and juggling all of your time to make sure everyone is happy is hard. Like, how how do you, you only, we all have the same 24 hours in a day, but it seems like everyone wants a little piece of that. How do I do that? And people get disappointed when they don't get a sliver of that time. Not just that makes life hard, but, like, people get sick. People die. Like, when, when we think about it, like, it's, I totally understand why a lot of people are sad. Because life is hard. Um, in my quiet time this morning, how, how I kind of break up my prayer time is I, do a, just a couple different sections, and one of those sections is just me kind of confessing to God, being like, hey, here are all the things that I'm struggling with right now, um, and this is, this is what I said this morning. Um, I said, God, I'm hecka stressed out. I'm stressed about getting my work done. I'm stressed about money. I'm stressed about insurance stuff. I'm stressed about other insurance stuff, like car insurance stuff, because my car insurance doubled this month. Um, pray for your boy. I'm stressed about taxes. I'm stressed about tonight. I'm stressed about overbooking and overplanning stuff and not making everyone happy. So, like, I'm going into tonight, like, being like, guys, like, life's kind of hard. I have a grandpa that's not doing great. Like, we we all have things coming into here where it's like, life is hard. And so, we get to encourage other people around us. Like, we have to encourage the people around us. We're not going to make it if if we're not encouraging other people or being encouraged by other people. This is what Hebrews 10.24 says. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It, there's this phrase in, in the Bible, it, it, it treats like being a Christian, like the life of a Christian is called like your race. It's, hey, run your race. It's, we have to encourage other believers, hey, keep running. It's okay. And it says, especially as Jesus is coming back and is drawing near. And be like, hey, it's going to be hard, but keep running going. So here's my question, and I would love for all of you guys to think about this as you go into this week. Ask yourself, who can I encourage this week? Who can I encourage this week? Okay, so that's the first E. The second E is evaluate. Evaluate yourself. Because um, one of these days, you are either going to die or Jesus is going to come back. It's the only only two options. Either Jesus is going to come back or you're going to die. And when that happens, we're going to stand before God and He is going to tell you either one of two things. He's either going to say, and this is like in Matthew 5 or so, he's either going to tell you, hey, get out, I don't know you. Or he's going to say this, and this is in Matthew uh, 25, 21. Or he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So either God, when, when you die or Jesus comes back, either God is going to tell you, hey, Bubba, you did good. Or he's going to say, get out. There, there's no in between. He's not, eh, you know. He's either going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, or he's going to say, get out, I don't know you. And so my question is this. How are you doing? Again, I'm talking to, to believers, people who have committed their whole life to Jesus how are you doing with being faithful with, with the time, with the talent, with the treasure that God has given you? Are you using those things for yourself or are you using those things literally for the glory of God and, and for the good of other people? So guys, like we don't know when Jesus is coming back, but you can start evaluating tonight. You can literally start being like, how, how am I doing? Am I being faithful? Here's the third thing you can do. The third thing, the third E, is you can evangelize, okay? And evangelism is just like the, the E word for telling other people about Jesus. Telling people about the good news of Jesus. The, the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That Jesus came. He did what he did. And then now, if in faith we just believe, we, we turn and we, we follow, follow Jesus... We surrender our life to Jesus. We, like we say, Jesus, you are my king, you are my Lord. I believe that you die, you're buried, you're resurrected. Like it says that if in faith we do that, like we will be forgiven of our sin. And that is good news. Like to be forgiven of the rebellion against the creator of the universe is good news. But John fourteen six says this. Jesus says that I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one can come to the father except through me. And so, if Jesus limited it, saying, hey, you can't work hard enough to be a Christian. You can't be good enough. It's not to say, hey, no one can come to the Father except through me, or if you read seven out of seven days in the Bible this week. Like, Jesus is is really, really clear. He is the only way that we can come to to literally have that restored relationship with God. And so, if you know that, we got to tell people about it. If Jesus is coming back, and at the end of the day, when we die, or when he comes back, like, that, that's game over. No, no do-overs, no, no second chances. If that's the end of it, then we have to tell other people about him. Like, right now, th- think, think in yourself. Like, think right now of a person that you know. Either a friend, family member, sibling, like, co-worker, something like that. Think of a person who is not a Christian right now. Right now, if that person was to die, or if Jesus was to come back right now, God would tell that person, get out. Jesus made it super clear. He is the only way to have that eternal life. And so, let's tell those people of how they can have that eternal life. So, here's my question If you are a follower of Jesus, who can you share the gospel with this week? you don't know how talk to literally any leader i promise you they would like they would have way more fun telling you how to tell people about jesus than playing any nine square with you like 10 out of 10 times if you don't know how ask and so here's just three quick things but literally there's so many other things that we can do i picked three because it was simple i like the number three and they all start with ease so why not if we can make it work we make it work but These are really simple, easy ways that we can do of how we can live like Jesus is coming back, okay? We can encourage people, evaluate internally right now, how am I doing? Am I being faithful? And the third thing is evangelize. Tell people about Jesus, okay? But here is, as we close, this is our second point, point number two. How do non-Christians wait? Like if, if, whether here, now, like if you are in this room and you'd say that you're not a, a Christian, or let me let me help you this. Like if you have never had faith to surrender your life to Jesus it, for him to forgive your sins, you call Jesus your Lord, your savior, your king, some whatever word, you believe that he died and resurrected. If you've never done that, you are not a Christian. Okay? I just want to make it super, super clear. The Bible's really clear of who, who's in and who's now. Again, like, I don't, I don't give a rip how many times you've been to church. I, I, like, no one is born a Christian, okay? If you have Christian parents, that doesn't mean that you're a Christian. Let me say that again. Just because you have amazing, God-fearing, like, just on-fire parents that love Jesus with everything doesn't mean that you also love Jesus. Jesus is really clear of what it means to be a Christian. And so if you're not a Christian for, for any reason, one, I love you. Like, like we have designed this whole space to still be a, a kind and, and just welcoming and gentle place for anyone to show up. You could be an atheist and hopefully still feel loved and welcome. But the most kind thing that I could do, the the most loving thing that I could tell you is that right now, if Jesus came back or you died, the creator of the universe would tell you, get out. I don't know you. Like I said, like at that moment, there is no second chances. There's no do-overs. There's no, hey, give me 30 more seconds so I can pray the prayer real quick. Like, there's nothing else. And so, how do you wait? How does a non-Christian person wait? They start by surrendering their life to Jesus. And literally, like, tonight, you can do that. You can literally ask any leader. Ask any leader, hey, what does it mean? How do I do this? And I promise you, they will joyfully share with you what it means to follow Jesus. But for believers... Let's encourage people. Let's evaluate, how am I doing? Am I being faithful with what God has given me? Not just your abilities or gifts, but your time. And all the treasures, all the things that you own. Are you being faithful with what God's given you? And let's go tell people about Jesus. But all of us, we gotta remember, we have to live like Jesus is coming back. Let me pray that we would. Heavenly Father, God, like, I I don't know if anyone is is scared or or terrified or encouraged or I I don't know. God, only you know what's going on right now. And so I just ask that you would comfort the people that need to be comforted and that you would convict the people that need to be convicted. God, only you know who's a believer in here and who's not. God, I just ask that instead of just making some emotional decision right now, out of fear or anything, that God, that that they would ask questions. They would ask a leader, they'd have the courage, you'd give them the boldness to talk to a leader. God, I pray for the believers. I just ask, not just for them, but for myself, God, too, that we would encourage others to keep going. I pray that we would just evaluate, like, what stuff do we got to get rid of? What, what things do we need to kind of change? And God, I pray that we would be on mission and we'd be on fire to tell other people about how good of a God you are. God, you're a good God. Thank you so much for not just dying on the cross for us, but God, thank you so much for coming back soon. We love you so much.